0: Welcome to the Proper Lookout podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hi listeners, this is Peter Hunt. Welcome to 2020. This is my first episode of the Proper Lookout podcast for this year and we have a very special episode today because I have two guests. One is Renee Reddy. Hi listeners. And we have also Vid. Hi everyone. That's Vid Dragomirovich, the legendary. (laughs) (laughs) And our topic today is what we wished we had learned in law school but didn't before we started the practice of law and merged into the defendant lawyers you now know. I found this topic a bit shocking because I cast my mind back and I realised I started law school in 19, let me get this right, 87.
1: Wow, that was the year I was born. Oh, my
0: like, I'm just trying to get going down this path. 1987.
2: I can see why you chose this topic. No, a bit of background information. Was...
1: A few easy laughs. laughs.
0: So that's, what, 32 years ago, 33 years ago. And I finished in 1993, which is 27 years ago. So it's over half my life. But casting my mind back to those days, I actually had as much hair as Renee now has. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Which is not (laughs) much. It's quite short right
0: now. More than I have as we sit here now. So the first thing I thought I'd mention, which I wish I'd learned in law school but didn't, was that as a lawyer you don't spend much time in court. Um, like many people, I went to law school having seen things on TV and in movies. LA Law was the big TV show back in, in those time. days. Yeah, yep. when Renee was <laughs> Suits born. Suits
1: now <laughs> yeah. in our times.
0: <laughs> and we all want to be Victor Fluentes and other characters on that show who are making dramatic speeches in, in courtroom and being the hero of the hour. And there's not much of that once you get into actual practice. I think we'll cover this shortly, but there's a lot of time spent reading and writing and conferring with colleagues and the like, but not so much in, in court. And when I say court, I include cars and, and DRS. So that's the first thing I learned. How about you, and
1: A funny saying that we would all say is when you talk to lawyers further in their career, they always say, you don't do it, go back, change. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> or, it's not too late. <laughs> it's not too
1: late. Or you think you know a lot when you finish law school, but in, yeah. in reality, when you come to your first day working as a junior lawyer, you realise very quickly Oh my, I know nothing. <laughs> um, that's a realization to tell myself as a, as a younger lawyer. That's okay. Because what they teach mm. you in law school is they teach you to think, but they don't teach you how to practice. And you're only going to learn how to practice when you're actually in the thick of things. And you know, how to run files and how to deal with colleagues and manage people and how to deal with your opponents. So I think I would say that's okay if you feel like you're completely dropped in the deep end. You shouldn't know everything on the first day as a lawyer. You don't know anything and you're about to learn the real adventure of what law is all about. I
0: totally agree with that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I tell you, you start it all the time. You may think you know nothing, but you'll learn very quickly on the job.
2: Yeah particularly if you've come from another background as well, maybe not necessarily starting off in law but may have come to it later on, you might find more enjoyment from doing it that way but you quickly realise what little you know when you have to start doing everything which sort of flows (laughs) on to what I was thinking I wish I knew when I started my career was the main part of our role perhaps could be our advice writing and how little I knew what to do when it came to sitting down and writing an advice.
1: Especially when you come from a plaintiff background. <laughs> but, uh,
2: well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even before that, back in, you know, before you, you graduate, you're told to write all these essays and have word counts and, and try and get as many words onto a page as you can. And then through the College of Law, you sort of get exposed to pleadings. But mm. once you're thrown in the deep end, when you start doing advice writing, mm. I remember when I started here, uh, McCabe Kerwood, Peter would put lots of reading call up on my page <laughs> to tell me that I speak too much and write too much. <laughs> oh, he
1: gets that too. <laughs> yeah.
2: Peter, might say, Peter might say that hasn't changed, but, um, but hopefully. No, there's uh, a vast <laughs> improvement. I'm both, both. <laughs> both of you have been a for improvement over the years. <laughs> but it leads to the to another point connected to that, and that is when you're a lawyer, it's not about quoting as much as you can. It's about being concise and just yeah. bringing your point across. And can I wish I knew that. Advice? Yeah. yeah. I wish I knew that before I started law, and so that I could just make the point to directly what I was saying.
0: But in fact, you are encouraged to do the opposite in in law school with essays. Yeah. You're encouraged to put out as much knowledge as you have in your head. Yes. Or have learned in the last five minutes. It's um, like onto the page. Absolutely. Whereas um, when you're running advice, it's that's counterproductive. You're trying to. Um, be much more concise in what you're conveying to the client, both in terms of the legal principles and how they apply to the facts. So, yes, you taught the opposite in law school. Yes. So it's like think. when
1: you're sitting on a law exam and you're like your hand up enthusiastically for your second <laughs> book to keep writing and you're pouring out all the cases for each of your exam questions and you think, oh, I'm smashing this. But when you end up practising, you realise, oh, succinct is the word that you need.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. So um, is I'm next. The other thing I um, wish I'd learned is about client service because uh, in law school it's all about, as I said a moment ago, all about knowledge and demonstrating what you've learned and, and the like, whereas no one ever talks in law school about how your legal services should be there to satisfy a client. need. I was lucky in that um, I did a double degree and I had a choice of doing law and something else. I now look back and think I should have done an arts degree in something I, and study something I like, would really um, enjoy doing rather than for vocation. But as it turned out, I chose to do marketing as my second degree. I had no interest in doing finance or accounting or anything like that. So That's why you
1: chose law. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I ended up doing marketing. And at the time, I thought it was one or the other. I'd either go down in career terms, either down the law path or the marketing path. And as it turns out, I'm doing both because I'm both practicing as a lawyer and from very early time, being up to spending in a business, which is all about client service. So I think my marketing degree held me in good stead for that um, unsu- uh, sorry, that surprising development in my in the way my career developed.
1: I'd have to agree. I think in my career, as much as I didn't formally study a marketing degree, I've always had a, a heavy involvement in business development and marketing yeah. throughout the various firms I've worked at in my past and thoroughly enjoyed it and quickly learned that's also a very key skill to understanding how not only the practice of law, but how a law firm operates and how you work day to day. Mm. And I think that that makes you a better lawyer when you have that insight into how that all operates. I'm also moving on to my uh, second point, which flows into that, which is something they don't teach you in law school formally, but something that we all know we should have been doing, which was your time management and organizational skills to know that you should be studying diligently throughout the term, as opposed to cramming (laughs) in the week or two before the exam. But
0: I used to love Stubak. because yeah, I, I, I just <laughs> didn't sleep and I was like an
2: adventure.
1: You're addicted to that yeah, yeah. adrenaline. That's
2: right. <laughs> that's from taking those previous eight weeks off uni as well. So yeah, yeah. you can just cram it all into two yeah. weeks.
1: Oh lived lived <laughs> for it, <laughs> live for the thrill. But um <laughs> But you realize quickly when you when you're uh, practicing law and are uh, in the very fortunate position to be managing a practice of files when you when you have the ability to work autonomously as well as under supervision yeah. and to learn how to manage a practice that one of the key things is you don't necessarily have to be the best lawyer out there or know all the case law or all the legislation but you really need to have a very firm grasp on time management and organizational skills because that is ultimately what makes a practice turnover day to day And well, what will make you successful in hitting your time budgets and your billable yeah. budgets and and at the end of the day, money makes the world go around and if you understand how to time manage and work with your organizational skills, you're also going to be a better placed lawyer in ensuring that you meet your court orders, your sexual hundred directions, making sure your cases are managed properly and appropriately and efficiently to bring about hopefully a good resolution for everybody. So I think Mm. that was something that I learned very quickly in my career and one that I think that should be, should have more focus on that Mm. during um, law school because without it, you'd find a lot of people, you know, struggling a fair bit when they come into their own of inheriting mm. some files to look after and don't really have those, um, that skill set.
2: I completely agree with that. Like I used to have a more relaxed attitude to things and, and even breaking it down to planning, like using calendars and, and reminders that can pop up and tell you when things are because it's so easy to lead yourself into chaos. When you think you can rely upon your memory to achieve everything, you're quickly going to realise that. That won't help you. In fact, you're you're going down the wrong path. In that that one. How many times you can get caught out by missing a court date or missing, you know, missing a phone call. Or- you know, it can happen. You know, but at the end of the day, the time management, being able to account for what you've done and what you have to do next, is so important.
1: Hundred percent. I yeah. think people joke about my calendar looking like a rainbow. But all the colours mean something to me. (laughs) It
2: does. I I thought the
0: other day, I had to wear sunglasses in order to um, check All the
1: colours mean something. (laughs) And it keeps me on track and I find that that's worked for me. Yeah.
2: But speaking about time, we tend to think that doing this type of role, you probably don't have much time left. And one of the things I should have thought about more back when I started this career was looking after (laughs) myself more. So I went through uni. (laughs) You laugh, (laughs) but I went through uni having you know, having an active lifestyle, playing tennis and soccer and doing all sorts of sport, going to you know, basically a sedentary type of role, studying and then working and then Mm. going up to now. And and only recently, only in the last few years, has that sort of changed once you realize that how important it is to take yourself away and and break up your day. And we do, you know, people here, you know, including the people in this room, they're in the boot camp. They're yoga. Team. Yep, yoga. can um, running. But even things outside that, you know, joining social tennis comps or going okay. for runs and doing for that, taking your lunch break, you know, take the full hour. Don't, don't sit at don't your desk, 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 desk and eat. Uh, simple Except things walk. Yeah, yeah. that we might forget about, they're quite important because as long as you, you can try and reach the way to function properly, that's the main priority. Otherwise, your work and the quality of your work will start to diminish then too.
0: Yeah. One of the best tips I heard... And it was relatively recently, it ties in what you both said just a moment ago in terms of diaries and planning your time, mm. is um, when you look ahead in your diary, maybe a week ahead or a month ahead even, is to plan your me time first, mm. whether it be time with your family or time exercising, playing sports, put that in your diary first and then plan around it. It's so easy for your job to take over yeah. and invade into those, those times which you, which, um, you then neglect. So I um, as a really valuable tip someone mm. gave me
1: um, in the last
2: couple of years. And turn off email notifications as well. Yeah. Yes,
1: okay. I've learned how to do that on my phone now. I <laughs> turn off the work profile at a certain time. <laughs>
0: One other thing that um, occurred to me is that uh, we weren't taught in law school is how collaborative it is because I came away thinking, it's all me, I'm, I'll be the hero of the hour solving legal disputes and <laughs> you know, hitting on the key legal principle which will win the case. Well, in fact it's it's me, it's, it's uh, the clothes I work with when I was younger, with the partner who supervised me, now with the team I work with, barristers and clients. Everyone has something to be able to make, to contribute to how a particular um, in our world a particular claim should be resolved. That's right. and that's something I had no concept
2: of in no, law school. That's so wrong. We just you have to think of yourself as a cog in this whole process, and that all these other cogs have to sort of fit in, and we achieve an outcome and I think that's a really good point you know, with our clients and and any other people involved and with our work, mm-hmm. we can get a result. But until yeah. you realise that you're not the only person yeah. there and that your this outcome isn't just on you, mm-hmm. it's you know it's hard to hard to gauge really. Yeah,
1: I think it's so crucial. Like you know that saying, "No man is an island." Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, all, to, women. <laughs> all women to achieve a successful outcome in any case, I think the most important thing is your teamwork yeah. because. Be it internally and externally, you're all playing your small part in bringing about taking this matter from conception to conclusion. We all have those matters where they're <laughs> much meatier than others, and um, uh, you know that there's that real sense of success and achievement at the end when you when you bring about a resolution that yeah, um, and you that you all parties are happy you, with.
0: You, you celebrate wins together, you mourn losses together, and it's
1: absolutely a real
0: team environment, which is great.
1: And uh, I think the last part that the three of us that had discussed uh, that we we agreed is uh, law can be pretty grey. There's a lot of grey area.
2: Oh, Unlock uh- <laughs> I'm, I'm <like> your calendar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that
2: is true. Yes, I, I think once we we're told to enforce the point that law is black and white, but but really it's not. There's it's open to interpretation. And it depends on the position that you're arguing. We all act for clients. There's an opposing party in most of the the matters that we deal with and everyone has a different way of dealing things. So it's not necessarily exactly how you interpret it and the other side might not listen to everything that you say. Sometimes they don't listen to you at all. But once you understand or once you accept that there are grey areas of working as a lawyer, um, it just becomes easier to navigate.
1: And I think as well, having I mean, all three of us in this room having former plaintiff backgrounds, we have yeah. a lot more insight yeah. into, you know, the grey, but also the varied, you know, splotches of rainbow color that can be <laughs> that can be varied in there as well. Yeah.
2: Definitely, it gives you a different dynamic as to how you don't necessarily think about the way in which a defendant will operate or will be presenting a case, but also how the plaintiff's case is unfolding and and what what needs to be done on their side of things. So. And yeah, that, that really helps you, you know, be able to grow in your role as you go along.
0: Yeah. I think that's it, isn't it? Renee and Vid? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think so. Okay. Well, that um, wraps up yet another episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. I think we're now episode number 70, which Ooh, is amazing. So um, until next week, thank you for listening and um, all the best. Cheers.
1: See you next time. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast we hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.